0: Welcome to another episode of the B2B Startup Sales Podcast. This uh, time with Robert uh, Anders, VP Sales Services at Kremanskin Company, previously Head of Sales at Comtravo and also advising several software and SaaS startups in uh, Germany out of Berlin. Uh, Robert, uh, tell us a bit more about your journey here and what you'd like to discuss today.
1: Hi, Manuel. Nice to be here. Very happy. Um, Yeah, my journey uh, is sales for the last twelve years. So I was having worked into sales um, from the beginning on. And today I'd like to. uh, We decided to talk about two bigger topics, which is uh, one, uh, how to find um, the best salespeople so hiring, and then making them really successful with onboarding. And then, of course, if they are fully onboarded, it's always a big topic, especially in sales. Um, uh, um, on how to do really good product demos, and I yeah, just thought I can give some experiences and learnings um, to these topics um, to your audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. really looking forward and uh, love kind of your demo from demo side, so we're still evaluating it ourselves. Um, one <laughs> thing that uh, intrigued me when you wrote kind of you directly jumped into sales when you finished school and the army. Army is typically this really structured military thing, which it is military. And uh, sales, a lot of people perceive it as art, uh, which is not that structured. So how do you basically get, especially new sales hires, to do a product demo that's still natural and empathic, but at the same time also structured and repeatable across the team?
1: Yeah. Yeah, from my perspective, it's always this big question, is it the sales and art or science, right? And the market of like is it begins with the science, so this is the basic. And if you do the science right, then you have time and capacity to do the art on top of that. yeah so when if you don't have a good process, especially in the demo, then then the biggest artist will still not succeed. And um, yeah, therefore, it has to be first science, then the art do Do
0: you give junior, especially junior hires like a word- by word sales script to follow through? And why do you do that?
1: Yeah, they, they get a playbook, definitely, and they get an idea of what to uh, respond to objectives as well um, to make them more secure and to have the capacity, the brain capacity, to concentrate on uh, how you articulate, how, how do you use your voice, um, and to make them uh, give, give them a chance to really listen to what the customer is saying, and not only uh, thinking about in my mind, what do I want to respond now? Because I already know very easily what I want to respond because I'm very sure about uh, yeah, what to, what to say. Yeah,
0: yeah I absolutely lo- love that one, because sometimes people like all the clients from outside, is like, yeah, but if I get a script, I'm going to sound like a robot. It's not authentic. F- Typically, I ask them back, like, why do you think Metallica has a playlist before they have a two hour concert? It's not <laughs> yeah. because they cannot play the guitar, right? It's just so they have a fallback. Scenario things go off and it starts raining or somebody comes on stage or whatever um, How do you how do you evolve that playbook uh, that that kind of sales script? But there's also a lot of other things to it over time as people um onboard and ramp up like over time Because typically what we see in the market is if you hire a 40 year old like 10 to 20 years sales experience person He said like here's your script. Please read it like a call agent. They're not going to respond that well to that
1: Yeah um But I still think it doesn't matter that much if it's a junior or senior, of, um because in the end, everybody understands that it's good to have a structure and to always uh, engineer on every every week, every day, on making this a better playbook or um, having a better demo. And even especially the senior guys understand that actually. Uh, but of course, they will then ask for the freedom to change some things during the demo and having a bigger part of this art, what we just discussed. And that's fine, yeah? If they're very secure about how to respond and they're very good listeners and asking good questions and they, of course it's okay that the demo is having another twist if the customer um, yeah, is asking for this.
0: Interesting one also, like adapting their approach and being good listeners. I found that an excellent point and like some people refrain that like there's elephants who have two ears to listen and move very slowly but are never endangered and they typically close the deal, they get to the water and there's lions which just shout and they're always fighting. Or that uh, human beings have two ears and one mouth. So gives you a bit of the ratio. Recently, a procurement leader basically told me like upon the question, how much, how many times do salespeople ask you um, about your buyer journey? You respond like less than one out of 10 asks actually. What's even if the evidence is clear and every senior salesperson, like such as yourself, says like listening is really important? How do you see that not happening with new hires, especially? And if you don't do a really, really good onboarding process,
1: yeah, I I agree on that. Uh, It's the same experience I have Um, in the demo. There's too much focus on presenting the features, too much focus on really showing what you can. Uh, do and um, how, how great you are as a company are so, um, and this is of course not not the way how you should um, do product demos. Yeah, so definitely uh, it, it's important to have invest more time to understanding the needs, understanding the buyer journey, um, and always discussing the next steps. Uh, you know, really understanding what is the process, what is how can I support you with the next step, who should be involved. How can I um, save you time in the process and so on? This this is often, uh, yeah, underestimated, definitely. Absolutely, and
0: and language is a big part there, right? So what I found interesting about Demo Desk when you showed to me, like, love the product, why is it called Demo Desk and not Listening Desk or Discovery Desk? (laughs) A demo always involves, like, somebody basically telling a story or pitching in the sense of, like, talking more than listening, right? Just by nature of what a demo is
1: totally agree yeah okay i, I will just send a method, uh, an email to to the ceo saying they <laughs> have to change the name right <laughs> i Totally agree yeah uh, it's uh, if it's already it's beginning with the name already right if, the, if they are if the customer is expecting a demo then they are laying back and just like tv just watching it uh, and you should make very clear from, from the beginning of this meeting that this is not something uh, where they just have to consume now but they really have to Interact and uh, probably they're going to talk more than I, as a salesperson. Yeah,
0: yeah, that, that makes a, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I still think like a demo has its place in the sales process. It just just come after basically a great discovery and qualification. Or like in, in the medical world, you say like prescription without uh, discovery or like diagnosis is actually fraud, right? It's malpractice, and in, in the US you get sued for that. In sales, it happens so often that people demo. Unsolicited information, so to say. Yes. So, when's the right time and place, and also like the scope a bit? Like, how long should a product demo last in 2021, with everybody being like 10 hours on Google Hangout a day?
1: <laughs> yeah, like a question. Um, I personally um, think that 30 minutes is the is the best way to do a demo, um, because then you force yourself into not showing too much of the product and too many features. Um, and it's still and, uh, as a sec on a second note to this um, you still can cope with the information you receive, both parties. Yeah, If you have a one-hour product demo, then this seems always such, like, such a big topic. And then mm. I often see that the follow-ups then are delayed or then you know postponed because then it always feels so big. The uh, um, demo should feel easy. You should understand easily what you're benefiting fr- from this product or how does it work. And if you want to make your customer feel easy about this and about the next step. Then the the duration of the demo should be short and easy as well. Yeah, can, can
0: you can you describe short? Like, is it a, a demo like 60 second? Like elevator? Is it five minutes? Is it like oh, 30, 30 minutes?
1: 30 minutes was my uh, is the, the the optimal length, yeah. 30 minutes
0: of, of basically like pure play demoing, or also Absolutely. including like discovery work and no, the whole the movie whole call has... taking 30 minutes.
1: Ah, OK, sorry, yeah. The whole meeting is 30 minutes. And, yeah. um, and then you, of course, start. Uh, and you should invest maybe one third, um, I would uh, to do 10, 10, 10. Uh, 10 minutes um, analysis, asking questions, understanding the customer needs. 10 minutes um, showing, but in an interactive way, what the product can do for you. Um, and then 10 minutes at the end, discussing the next steps um, who is the where people should get involved in the process um and so on yeah 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 absolutely um
0: i I like that kind of split because it's so easy to remember regarding this qualification basically like demoing and the next steps how do you evaluate if people can do a great job at each of these three sections when you hire salespeople, which is notoriously hard to do
1: oh yeah that's a good question huh um yeah, I think the the most important uh, criteria or skills you should look for in a salesperson is listening skills and curiosity. Yeah, this is probably the the most thing If you have to decide for one thing, then that's probably this.
0: Yeah. How about how about besides curiosity, I fully agree on that. I wanted to call the company curiosity at first, actually. Um, how about drive and hunger? You mentioned you're a competitive person as well. What's more important in salespeople that they they love winning or they hate losing?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a tough question. <laughs> of course, hunger and drive is very important as well. Um, and if they, if you just ask questions for the sake st- st- of being being curious or faking curiosity, then it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Of course, it has to always be a variety um, of uh, of skills who have to fit together. And people who are used. To uh, fight for their wins and are really uh, going the extra mile uh, to to win and to be better than others and then to succeed. Um, that, that's very important as well, right? That, that's why I love to hire sports people as well, for example, because they know how um, how much discipline you have to invest to succeed, to win tournaments, um, and to always be one step ahead of your competition. Yeah, so of course, um, but this. One specific sales skill, which is probably not as important in the other departments, is this curiosity uh, listening part. And I'm investing lots of time uh, during the interview processes uh, into understanding how curious are they. Yeah, this, this begins with how do they start a conversation? Do they are they looking for other things than only the job? Yeah, do other questions? Are they asking personal questions or questions about? I don't know, what you have in your background, in your room or something, yeah? Um, yeah. And
0: yeah, absolutely, and in Switzerland, like an ex-Swiss national soccer player found an Athletes Network, I think there's roughly like not 200 people on there, like all hockey players, uh, soccer, skiing, and so on, which I think is a very intriguing idea. I, I asked him personally, like, hey, mm-hmm. like, wouldn't this be like sales as a great equalizer for people not having an MBA or so, but just having that drive and hunger? and he replied like i'm not sure like what they want to do and i think sales is underrepresented as a a profession in the DOC region just like from the reputation it's got as well how do you see how do you see us basically improving that reputation to just fill the funnel how it's called in sales more with talent and more people pursuing that sales profession as well
1: i think it's got better in terms of software sales and real account executives or senior sales managers or enterprise sales managers um, working into software sales. I think this is already quite an established position. And you know um, that this is well paid, and this is a, like a really interesting job to do, and, and so on. So I think there, we got better. But what is still a big problem with many companies is finding um, good SDRs. yeah, Because SDR always yeah. still has the, the image that is just about Stupid cold calling, doing 100 dials <laughs> a day, um, and, and doing really nonsense work, yeah, and, and getting so many uh, yeah, no's that it is really frustrating after one week. Huh? <laughs> and I think, therefore, we have to work really hard as a whole um, industry to make this a more interesting job. But of course, work, um, yeah, so investing in career path, investing in development of these people, and making this job a bit more <laughs> interesting than just doing cold calling. and. Um, Yeah, so Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And there's there's so many channels. Like, I feel LinkedIn is still people rich and content poor, and, like, few people use video voice messages, creative pattern interrupts so far. Um, But what you also mentioned is that there's no magic bullet which prevents people from, like, getting no's, like, 90% of the time. So it's, it's about taking heat as well. What do you do if, basically, sales hire, like, is really promising? And you cannot really say, like, what are they doing wrong? but after like, let's say two to three months, they haven't closed deals consistently, for example, or they haven't consistently produced sales qualified leads. When's the right time to basically say like, let's further invest and in double down versus basically letting go and say like, you might not be made for getting that many no's and the profession. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah. Um, so I think that, hmm, let me give me, give me a sec. For sure. <laughs> um, Okay, first of all, um, it's important in the onboarding plan to be very clear on the milestones and the expectations for the first two or three months. Yeah, so everybody should know very transparently um, what is what we're expecting for the first month, how many calls, how many demos booked, whatever. Yeah. Um, so and then in addition, have a buddy uh, who is then supporting you as well, not only the team lead or the head, but an extra person like a yeah, like a buddy who is supporting um, on managing to get to the first one or two milestones are very helpful as well yeah and then already you have a better decision making process as well if you want to if you think you have to let them go uh, because then you have this this body was really working closely with this person and uh, can give another opinion um on yeah on their motivation on their mindset uh, and the body still believes in in this person then i think it's always worth investing uh, investing. But if the buddy says, yeah, no, he wasn't really cooperative and he thought he could Mm -hmm. do everything better and so on, then yeah, it's, it helps. I I think
0: that's an interesting part. Also the collaborative, but competitive, like a friendly competition part of the equation of always having like sales pair tandem, so to say, having like always hired two at a time, right? Which probably good rule nobody does because everybody thinks I don't have the budget. Let's take one. Who's going to ramp a bit slow without the direct peer. As an early stage founder, uh, which quite, quite some of our listeners are probably, um, how do you do that if you got limited budget? You cannot just hire like two SDRs, an account executive, and a customer success manager. So, how do you best evaluate if it's the person that is not successful because they're just like these five percent who, who don't succeed, or if it's the, pod, the position person match, or if it's just you're just not providing the right onboarding and enablement?
1: Yeah, um. So first of all, that's why it's important that one of the founders is uh, investing into sales and has, an, has a feeling of what is possible and what not. Yeah? If the founder never set demos by himself, then how can he evaluate? Yeah? So that's the one yeah. thing. And um, mostly it could make sense, for example, to s- still keep in the AE role as a founder, if you start right at the beginning, but then hire two SDRs to create demos. Yeah, That would be a good thing Then you still don't invest too much budget into hiring um, for all departments but you start with one department which would be for example um, uh, two SDRs yeah um, and but if, if therefore for any reason you would only were able to hire one person for a department then mm-hmm. I would definitely um, yeah try to understand from my experience as a founder what do I think is possible on the one hand on the other hand what is really needed um, from the investors or just for my business case in general um, that I can say that this is a profitable um, position and a profitable um, outcome of what the person is doing there, yeah? And then very clear on expectations and, for example, especially for AEs, it's very simple, right? If they can't um, generate the revenue um, which is not even um, as high as their own salary, then yeah some months you have to say no yeah <laughs> you, you,
0: you're touching an interesting point regarding kind of the the ratio of um, of on-target earnings versus closed revenue, and also that number basically changing. If somebody's an STR, the main metric might be sales qualified leads. If somebody's like in customer success, there might be uh, net retention or net net churn, which should be negative even. What's a good ratio? Like people talk about like three x on-target earnings. So if a person gets like 10k, should bring in like 30k revenue a month. Some people are like four to six is desirable, but if people underperform and do two. To three still keep them as it's profitable, in uh, yeah. it fosters growth. What's your perspective on a of an, on a ideal ratio? Like that's achievable, yeah. and when do you start doubting that it's sustainable?
1: Yeah, I think it depends a lot on many on many many variables. So it's really hard to say for so many different scenarios. I recommend um first to uh, understand this ratio from other companies in the market. Yeah. So ask yeah. what's your Friendly competitors, (laughs) Uh, if they are willing to share that or just try to find out um, other metrics in the market, that's very important, I guess. Uh, But of course, three times the salary is a good estimation for the beginning, yeah. It's a good um, rule of thumb uh, because then you know, okay, there's a two thirds still room for marketing spend and so on. But um, yeah, it depends on so many things. Um, Of course, the the longer. the customers are staying with you. So the bigger the lifetime value, the, the, the more you can spend in the first year. Yeah. Then it's okay. If you, absolutely you just, you just have this two X, but if they stay for 10 years, then it's still very profitable.
0: Yeah. it's yeah, this famous customer acquisition versus customer lifetime value ratio. Um, okay. it's just very difficult to know the 10 year ratio. If you have just been on the market for two, three years for a scale up, right? <laughs> so serious. that's always the, the tricky part. Uh, yeah. cool. I'd love to ask you like five rapid fire questions uh, that might be, take your time to answer and maybe also take, give it a shot why that is. And also then love to talk a bit about what trends you see emerging in this decade of sales. Okay. Uh, first, first question, do you prefer $1 of revenue from new or existing revenue? Always new. Always um, new. A- always be hustling. Always be hunting. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Uh, should, should I explain a bit always or? Yeah, you can for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think if you don't, oh, of course, it's it's a bit a counterintuitive answer because of course you always want to um, make sure that your existing customer base is happy and the NPS is great and so on. And if the customers love your product, then you always have the secure feeling that um, that you're going in the right direction. Yeah. But if you don't understand how to grow fast and how, how to grow predictable, um, then you know then this is, this is the main thing um, to be really successful in the end. And you still can fix NPS uh, um, if you have more customers. And you will learn a bit better which customers suit better to your product. Um, and you have more relevant data uh, to really then uh, yeah, deliver a better product. So I always would go for, for a new business. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Also in your role, um, I, I'm probably at some points, I think I'm a terrible customer success manager but just because we're so focused on helping uh, okay. people build 100 sales, like go from 0 to 10, 10 to 100 customers outbound sales. But yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's a mindset thing as well. Uh-huh. Um, other one regarding mindset, like if you get a 100K bonus, do you want it in cash or stock options typically?
1: Huh. Well, of course, it's... Um... It's so great if you can create an atmosphere uh, or a mindset within the company that everybody is believing so strongly in the vision that everybody that nobody wants salary anymore; they only want stock options. Yeah. Yeah. it's <laughs> so, sure. such a admirable thing that uh, if if you create a, a, a situation that people are pushing for ease up. Uh, or equity. Um, this is, of course, a dream uh, coming true. So yeah, um, be, I be, think the, that be the founder and be the company uh, where people want shares, of salary.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I think that hap- that was uh, true. Basically, back in Tesla, like even back in 2012, like yeah. way below market salaries. Like I got 2k, I think, like per month, like in Zurich. No stock options as as intern, but. It paid off for everybody involved, right? Everybody who stayed with Amazon, Tesla, like Apple in the early days, uh, sales for subspot and so on, it works. Uh, Love that that answer. Also going back to our hiring and onboarding topic, if you can hire a junior sales rep for 50K or a senior sales rep for 150K, which one do you take and why?
1: Uh, I would prefer the junior um, because I think uh, you have a better chance of Shaping and this person into your own culture, into your own product, and so on. Um, and there will be much more gratitude and passion uh, with the junior if he gets successful within your own company um, than the senior maybe would have. Um, of course, now very very broad, right? Of course, this can be true in the other way around. But uh, in general, I would um, if I believe in my not only in my product, but in my system as a sales department. So I am strong in onboarding, I'm strong in developing people um, and so on. Then I would always go with the junior because on average they are probably more um, yeah, coachable and more hunger, hungry for success.
0: Yeah, especially maybe a follow-up question on the coachable part. How do you How do you assess for coachability, which in my opinion is one of the key traits of a great professional, but especially in sales?
1: Yeah, so coachability um, and sales. I think it's actually quite easy. Um, I let the um, candidate pitch, just to schedule an appointment or something. Yeah, um, and then, then after the short pitch, like three minutes pitch, yeah, um, I let them evaluate um, their performance um, um, by themselves. So I can understand their ability to self-diagnose themselves, and then I give them feedback. Um, and see how can I absorb and apply that feedback and let them do a second um, role play and just um, focus on how were they able to really apply that feedback. Um, and That's actually quite simple, but it's for me the most powerful thing to to see um, if they can evaluate themselves and if they can uh, adapt feedback, then that's all you need to understand. Yeah, it's a good recruiting
0: experience actually for for people because independently, if they get the job with you as, as an interviewer, like they learn something from a, exactly. a very like senior salesperson, which is great. Uh, once you hit a certain level, I saw you on on Ref Genius on other platforms as well, uh, on networks. How do you? What's your number one go to source to improve your own sales skills before uh, besides like Revenue Collective, for example?
1: Besides that, yeah, um, I. Ha- I like Revenue Collective very much, So well, this is actually an interesting source. In addition, I follow two sales leaders on LinkedIn quite uh, intensely, which is Kevin Dorsey and Josh Brown. Yeah. Uh, and I like their posts, I like what they are offering. Um, Josh Brown had this B2B badass guide, I think it's called. Uh, it was really cool and was very helpful. So these online trainings or these yeah, like playbooks they are creating, um, this is something we're really uh, yeah, learn from a lot because of course they have they come from the motherland of sars sales uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they really have uh, which is not uh, germany just to be clear to the audience not, not yet not yet <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, definitely the americans are uh, some steps ahead and um in terms of experience and uh, yeah so uh, the, these are two people i really recommend following amazing like really cool input and I think it's
0: always great to learn from people who have been done done that before and also just having like amazing material just to learn from and regarding learning what do you wish you would have known when you were 20
1: mm, regarding sales
0: uh, in general for for life for professional life but can be sales related of course
1: yeah maybe maybe' it's an interesting thing. what I really learned uh, now during the last two years when I started investing into um, stock into stock market into crypto, I realized, wow, if I had done it with twenty, um, I would have been so much more on the one hand relaxed uh, with my monthly salary because I had much more ways how to produce income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, uh, if you start dealing with the stock market, uh, you uh, think more entrepreneurial and have a d- completely different uh, relationship to, to money. Yeah. And I think I would have chosen maybe sometimes a different job, which is uh, helping me more in my long term development or in my learning experience mm-hmm. than just focusing on my base salary. You know. Um, so yeah, maybe think more long term. Um, and invest in yourself and into money and don't yeah focus too much on on your short-term base salary.
0: Yeah, love, love that, especially like as an entrepreneur myself and maybe also thinking about long-term, uh, it's 2021, new decade, what's the most interesting trend in B2B sales you see emerging? Mm, mm,
1: probably sales enablement, yeah? Um, I think right now, if you talk about Europe, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Europe's really, um, now realizing that tools like demo desk or Gong uh, and so on that are really, uh, yeah, necessary. And it really makes sense to invest in your people and to, to, to develop the people, to develop your process, be smarter, using artificial intelligence, using automations, uh, and so on. And all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, it was sales so was too much, a numbers game. So b- before, you yeah, know, uh, just having more demos, having more calls, yeah, and so on. And right now, it's really much about getting. I see many more organizations realizing that it's about getting smarter uh, and not just ramping up the team, hire as many salespeople as possible, and so on. So investing more in a sales enablement or a sales operations person who's yeah making everybody more efficient. Um, with tools like, yeah, as I said, like uh, Gong, et cetera. or even not only extra tools, but uh, like getting up your CRM system, be it HubSpot, Pipedrive, or Salesforce, really get this up to an, a very efficient level where, yeah, automation plays a big role and efficiency plays a big role. This is um, yep. something really, uh, yeah, coming up and getting more and more important.
0: Interesting one. So let. Thanks, thanks so much for sharing all these insights with you. So let's wrap it up quickly. So what you see in the market is you definitely take um, new revenue because you hunt the sales. Also what you do with Kramansky as VP sales services, you see a lot of like interesting sales enablement products coming up, like, such as Demodesk where invested and advising mm-hmm. uh, as Gong and always taking like a junior sales rep or above a senior and investing like the remaining money into sales enablement to ramp this, up these people quickly. Uh, learning from the best on LinkedIn on other sources such as Revenue Collective, and uh, any last thought you would like to uh, pass on to our listeners? <sighs>
1: um, yeah, maybe when we were talking about this hiring part, um, if you use this um, this hiring formula, yeah, and we really look out for coachability, curiosity, and so on, and if you really believe in that, then have trust in people who are not coming from the SaaS business. I see often that um, many founders or head of sales are only looking for people who are only already working for many years in the SaaS business. And yeah. therefore, the, our market here in Central Europe is way too small. Everybody can only hire people who have already five years experience in SaaS sales. So therefore, rather build a great system with onboarding and, uh, uh, and development, have a very really good hiring process and understand what are the really the biggest skills uh, I, I need in my team, and then hire people from other industries and and make successful in SaaS. I think this is a way easier way to to grow your team um, and uh, yeah to make them make people that more grateful even that you offer them a chance to work in a SaaS company um, if they come from other industries before.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree on giving people opportunity if they're hungry and and curious to step up to it. So thanks so much for uh, being with us. Um, All the best for Grimanski for your investments and uh, talk soon. Thank you, Maria.